Hi, welcome to Eurocron. I'm your host, Scott Pitney. Eurocron is a podcast where we chronicle extraordinary people and their extraordinary stories. Our goal is simple, entertain, inspire, educate, and at times humor our audience while our guests build their audio legacy. So let's get right to our next extraordinary story. My next guest on Eurocron is Andy Balker, author of the book Boys Do Cry, available on Kindle and paperback through Amazon. More information about Andy and his book is also on Facebook at Facebook forward slash Boys Do Cry the Movement. And we will, of course, have all of Andy's information on Eurocron.com. Andy joins us this morning via Skype from the UK. Andy, good afternoon to you and welcome to your Cron. Hi, good afternoon, Scott, and good afternoon to everyone. Uh, it's afternoon here. We're six, I'm six hours ahead, so depending where you are, good afternoon or good morning. <laughs> good morning to the US guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good. Um, so the title of your book really piques my curiosity, and I'm looking forward to jumping into this topic with you. So, Andy, where is a good place to start your extraordinary story? Right. Um, right. So I'll just explain a bit more about the book itself. So, firstly, Michelle Katanak, um, she, first of all, compiled a book with 26 stories from women, which, um, and I can give you the link to that if you want, Scott, later, um, but it's called Uncaged, The Rise of the Woman Badass. So I read that book and thought that was a really great book. Um, and then when I saw that she was giving an opportunity for men to share their stories, and it kind of felt right to contribute a chapter. So there's basically 12 men, including myself, who have talked about how they face their demons, um, all under the title of Boys Do Cry. So the, I guess the intention of the book is to challenge the typical male stereotype of men not crying, men being strong and silent and not showing their emotions and except for anger and a strong feature in the book is that anger is the one emotion of men which is acceptable and I might talk about that a bit more in depth but yeah um, it was great to really get the opportunity to write a chapter for this book because I've been writing doing a blog blogging for quite a while and say writing something I'm really passionate about so it's great to get my get an opportunity to get my some of my writings a bit more out into the open so to speak and obviously it's helped give me this opportunity which a mutual Facebook well, a Facebook friend of mine told me about who you've also interviewed so thank you for the opportunity to interview um, and yes yeah, so that's, that's what the book is and it, I know I'm biased, but it's a great read, so and I highly recommend it. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, the links will be on the podcast about the book. Yeah, well, like I said, the the title is really intriguing to me because I, I read a lot of um, books uh, to uh, about self improvement and so forth, and yeah. uh, I'm um, I don't believe I've ever 
um, come across a book of that nature. So I guess my first question is, is there a book that you know of uh, that is that is on the same topic? No. <laughs> yeah. No, not I know. There might be one or two, but uh, no, I don't know any other books like it. Yeah. And so um, you, you um, mentioned or your uh, Facebook is Boys Do Cry the Movement. Tell us about yeah. Boys Do Cry Movement. Why is it called a movement? Um, so I think, well, Michelle set the page, the Facebook page up. So I think the intention is from this book to create a movement, so to speak, where this the boys do cry becomes more acceptable um, and maybe a, a community of people just who are committed to changing the stereotypical view of what it is to be a man because most people, both men and women, have very strong ideas of what men should be and how they should behave and what they should do. And as somebody who's never fitted the um, stereotypical type of what it is to be a man, it has it has been very difficult because whether we like it or not, all of us Westerners have been conditioned in some way about how men and women too should behave. So I guess this whole movement is just about challenging this culture the patriarchal culture and creating a new paradigm of what men should, what men are, and that it is okay for men to cry. You know, I often say that the emotional suppression of males from a young age is possibly the most harmful thing that's ever been done to men on the whole, and the damage of this is far-reaching. Um, so yeah, um, so this whole movement so to speak we just want to all yeah, it's not to say that we want men to become like women necessarily but we just want to change um the culture of what a man is supposed to be because a lot of it is basically bullshit if that makes sense <laughs> yes it does and what how did your passion developed for this topic, Andy? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. Um, so, just think how much I want to, <laughs> I could go on quite long length about this. So, um, we have time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, right. So where shall I start? So in my childhood, and a bit of this is mentioned in the book as well, um, I was very much in my own little world. I didn't talk much to people. Um, I didn't really know how to relate to people at all. Um, looking back, I probably held, tried to hold in a lot of emotional pain. Didn't know how to deal with it. Um, then I turned to Christianity at the age of 16. I'm, well, actually, I'm nearly 44 now, so that was a long time ago. Um, and for a while, Christianity kind of worked. It helped paper up the cracks, so to speak. But there was still a lot of hidden emotions underneath the surface. You know, all, a lot of them stemming from the feeling of not being good enough, 
being unlovable, shy, a loner, whatever. Um, and to cut a long story short, in 2006, I had a massive breakdown, uh, which culminated in me leaving Christianity for good. Um, I almost left it once back a few years before, but this time it was permanent, and it was a very frightening time, I thought, because I believed in a lot of the fundamentalist Christian teachings, like you're going to go to hell and that kind of stuff. So come to a place where I knew that I couldn't continue being a Christian, and I just couldn't accept some of the Christian teachings. But at the same time, the residue of the beliefs in hell was still there. So I thought I was going to go to hell, basically. It was a pretty horrendous time. And to this day, sometimes I wonder how I got through it all. Um, but eventually, I came across an internet site, which a support site for ex-Christians, which really helped me. And to cut a long story short, I got better. And that is the, that is the short story. Um, but then after that, I moved location 275 miles away from my hometown. And I kind of started again in life. Um, but I guess I'm a, I'm a highly sensitive person. And unlike some people, I find it very difficult when I'm feeling bad. I find it hard to really hold it all in. You know how some people can struggle in silence for years and nobody would even know about it. Um, that was never me, um, which I guess was a bit of a blessing in some ways. Um, but certainly after going through the breakdown and other experiences in my life, and plus also never really fitting into peer culture, I didn't really give that much of a monkey's about um, it being manly to behave a particular way. So. And for the last few years, after surviving what life had thrown at me, um, I've kind of become quite passionate about men really opening up and opening up to their true selves, you know, because otherwise you'll either suffer in silence or um, worse, you'll commit suicide. And I had a friend who... He was also on the spiritual pathway, but he sadly ended his, ended his life last year because mm. he couldn't deal with certain things that life threw at him. Mm. So it's just, I know that so many men are struggling. Um, and this whole culture of men need to bottle up their feelings or men should only express anger. It needs to stop because it's just causing too much damage. And also... Um, leaves a lot of men which basically basically don't like themselves and in often cases they can take their anger out on women as well so and the myth that vulnerability is weakness is something that really does need to change you know people and this goes for both men and women if a man is to show vulnerability he's seen as weak and Brené Brown talks about it in her book, one of her books. And I guess, conversely, that means that bottling in your emotions and staying silent is seen as strength. Now, it does take, I guess, a certain amount of strength to do this.
but we need to really get away from this culture of being vulnerable equals being weak. Um, and the greatest fear amongst men, I guess, is appearing weak. You know, and there's a lot of sports stars who are suffering in silence. But for, for example, but they can, they just can't appear weak. Otherwise, they won't get their place in the team, so to speak. And so many, so much of our culture is built around men being tough and not being vulnerable. And it's been ingrained in us from an early age, I guess. So, yeah, I guess. Um, Going back to the the, uh, non... I can't remember exactly what you called it. Something along the lines of non-Christian website. You you obviously pulled um, some strength from that experience. Was there anything in particular that stands out to you that really helped you uh, from that website that helped you get through what you were going through? Yeah. Um, I think it was just the support and love from other people, even though I didn't know them personally. Because um, I basically said what was going on, what was happening. And I really felt the that I was accepted because for a few months, whilst the whole breakdown process was happening, I felt like basically worthless, cut off from God, the works. Um, So that was the start, I think, really being able to be accepted by these people and then reading, because for a while I was reading accounts of people who had left the Christian faith, and so I knew that I wasn't the only one, so that kind of gave me a glimmer of hope, but I think what really stood out about this particular website was just the interaction with other people. And this gets me to another point. It's so important for guys to be able to open up and get help, even if it is online, even if you don't know anybody in person who you can speak to, because it's so important for men and women to, of course, to get support and help. You know, there's this expectation particularly amongst men that we shouldn't ask for help that asking for help is a form of weakness don't tell your friends that you're going to see that don't tell your friends that you're depressed or that you're on antidepressants or something you know there's this whole secrecy taboo about getting help and as the saying goes no man is an island you know we can't there are certain things that we just can't get through on our own so if I could, if there's one message I would say to men who are struggling, it's reach out for help, even if it's on an online forum. You know, you can't always do it all on your own. Yeah, and um, so the the um, the thought that you maybe, I guess your your belief, your Christianity belief, becoming a non-belief. Was that more of a perception or did you actually have some experiences when when maybe friends or family found out that you had become a non-Christian? Uh, yeah. Um, no, that wasn't. I didn't have any issues with friends. Um, so, but yeah, it was a very traumatic process because 
basically Christianity was all I'd known for 15 years. You know, I'd always been looking outside of myself for my uh, fulfillment, so to speak, so looking to God or Jesus and seeing my worth in terms of Christianity. So when that all fell apart, it was where do I go from here kind of thing. And it was a complete change of identity. Um, you know, there's probably two, um, it would be too confusing to go through the various ways which I, I went from belief to non-belief because there were some very dark thoughts in the process and all of which I remember. But yeah, it was, yeah, going from belief to non-belief for me, even though I didn't have any, I mean, my friends and family were really good, even my Christian friends at the time. But yeah, for me, it was just a complete change. So it was a case of really getting back on my feet again after that. Mm -hmm. At what point did you ultimately decide you wanted to write about this topic? Um, well, I've been kind of blogging about these kind of subjects for a few, quite a few years now, and I start because I'm still in the process of writing my own life story book, which I'll probably get Michelle to help me with. So I've been doing that on and off for quite a while. Um, but yeah, um, I've kind of been, yeah, if that's that answers your question, obviously the book, oh, the chapter of the book was, was a quite a recent thing. So I was grateful to be getting the opportunity, but I, um, I just knew that it was the right time to really get my voice out a bit more. But I've been writing, I've been blogging for a good 10 years about self-help and spiritual subjects, which include things challenging the stereotypical male culture. Sorry, that's a bit of a, <laughs> hopefully I haven't confused you too much there. No, no, that, that perfectly explains the blogging. Um, yeah. Do you have a desire to write a full book? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I started doing it about probably a good six years ago now. Um, I've been kind of writing it on and off. I've been taking long periods of time away from it. Um, a lot's happened during that time. I lost my younger brother four years ago very suddenly, so... Um, and other things like issues with work and stuff. So, yeah, and it hasn't felt right to actually finish the book yet because there's still, I feel that there's still a chapter of my life that I want to include in that book, which hasn't happened yet, but I'm hoping that the book about my life story will be ready perhaps within the next year or two, although I don't want to go giving exact times that time scales or promises but yeah definitely an intention of mine is to get my book out at some point we'll be right back we are very excited to have a new sponsor at yorkron Luxury men's clothing lines Thaddeus and Tad are now combined on one website. They belong to the same family, they share DNA, 
might as well have their clothes all in the same place too. Both brands are typically sold at Nordstrom's, Bergdorf's, and unique upscale boutiques, but you can find them online at ThaddeusandTed.com. Thaddeus, the uncle, is a collection of sportswear for the man who always arrives well-dressed, but sometimes breaks the rules. Quality fabrics are important, but so are comfort, fit, and details. Some of the pieces are washed and weathered, others more crisp. Thaddeus is designed for the man who is current and comfortable in his own skin. Tad, the younger nephew, is more rugged, more washed and weathered, but willing to learn from the past. Tad is the nephew of Thaddeus, sharing the same namesake and DNA, but interpreted for a new generation of sportswear. Tad is more casual, suggesting a more worn-in, easy look. The fit is slightly slimmer and trimmer. Tad fits the mind and body of a man who wants to put his own stamp on the traditions he has inherited. For menswear that is a tad dressy and a tad disheveled, shop online at ThaddeusandTad.com. lost a brother and earlier you mentioned that you lost a friend um about a year ago that's that's a lot to go through andy where, where do you yeah. pull your strength from to to navigate that those emotions and i think the strength has come from with all i've faced it's just i guess i am quite resilient and i think having a spiritual beliefs this way. I don't, I don't even like the word spiritual at times, but um, I'm grateful that I've learned what I've learned. Um, so, and even though books in themselves can't fully heal you, I think books have been invaluable to me over the years, just helping me see things differently, because before I used to completely react to situations and I was very, very insecure. Um, but now I think the thing that's probably really um, helped me the most is knowing that even if you're going through the craziest shit and you're feeling closed down and not sure where to go, that even when you're feeling these emotions, that on some level there is still a sense of everything's okay. You know, we call it the higher self or whatever you want to call it, that on some level we we are, well, so you might have heard the phrase, I am the observer of all my thoughts and emotions and the life story. So, yeah, so even that spiritual life doesn't mean you have to be floating around in the clouds all the time. You know, I get a bit annoyed with some of the positive thinking culture that love and light culture at times and there is a balance because a lot of us do go through some really dark stuff and let me just put what i want to say here if i can get a message across and often we can make, be made to feel wrong or we can think we're doing something wrong if we're feeling good or if we're feeling difficult emotions coming up you know the 
list doesn't doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong at all. Um, and these things often come up in order to be felt and released. And even when we do go through the really really dark stuff, um, there's always the higher self. There's always the higher self saying that whatever shit you're going through, that on one level everything is okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think yeah. Yeah. That's what made, that's what's made the biggest difference. I don't know if you there's a spiritual teacher called Jeff Foster who I'm a, I'm a big fan of. He suffered from severe depression for quite a long time, I think about eight years. Mm. He had an awakening of sorts, but he often talks about the difficult emotions and sometimes we can feel that like that things are almost unbearable. Mm-hmm. But as one of my spiritual teachers I have at the moment what he says the heart can bear anything so we often think that we if we go deep into our pain or really feel the emotions that they'll overwhelm us and that's why a lot of people are scared of really uh, doing the inner work because they fear that and I've, I've certainly been here myself um, because they're scared that the emotions will be too much to deal with um, but on one level, the heart can bear anything. However, that's not to say that we can deal with everything all at once. Sometimes we have to really wait until we're fully ready to deal with a particular thing before it gets released. And for me, just trust the process. Um, just in, it's important to be willing to really face your demons, so to speak. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be easy or it's going to be quick. But the willingness to really face things at your own pace is for me what's important you said trust the process um what 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 is the process for andy and 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 sorry for your your loss of your brother and your friend but what what is that what is that process for you andy that's a great question right so um i think for me and this might not be the same for everybody else, and it doesn't have to be. Um, for me, it's all about, I call it the journey, but might have heard this phrase, the journey of self-discovery, which is also, which in essence is about discovering your authentic self at some level. And our authentic self is, well, we could go on at length about that, there's no need right now, but... The process for me is just really diving deep and doing the inner work and facing all the pain from childhood and adulthood and just, I don't want to use the word enlightenment or awakening because that's another thing that the mind can go after as a goal, but it's just, the process is just doing the best I can to face my pain and um, heal my pain as, as best I can and just to really um, be more of my authentic self. So that starts by um, living from the heart. Um, I've been very much in my head for a good forty odd years, and a lot of people, a lot of you, can probably relate to this, having very active minds. So getting out of your head or getting out of my head can be a bit of a challenge. So on. So 
say on a daily basis it's just being aware of my thoughts and what emotions and what's coming up and just saying okay these are here how do I how do I best face them and then taking action from there I also find yoga in particular for me it's been a massive massive help in helping me to open up a bit more now I've practiced yoga for the about five or six months now so that's a big help. Um, I don't meditate quite as much, but that hopefully will change as well. Does that make sense, or do you want me to expand on anything there? I would like you to expand a little bit on uh, the yoga part of it, especially because I'm curious what, and since you've been practicing it for six months, what what do you draw from it in particular? Is it more of a physical relief? Is it more of a mental relief? Um, it does help physically, physically as well. Um, but yeah, I've noticed that my mind has become a bit clearer since I've started practicing yoga, and also that I'm just able to be a bit more open. You know, the phrase "opening your heart" is a bit of a cliche in spiritual circles, but yeah, mm. it has helped me open up my heart a bit more. Um, but it's also good to. Um, see the physical side of things you know um, like for example um, balancing on one foot a few months ago I wouldn't have been able to do that for more than 10-15 seconds and now there's been times where I could be able to do it for two minutes mm. so yeah it's a bit of both physical and mental but it certainly helps get your mind into a bit more focus so in terms of things like balancing on one foot that does require a certain amount of focus so, yeah, I think it is more mental, but the physical aspect of yoga is great as well. Yeah, I agree. I've been practicing yoga for years, and I've talked about this on previous podcasts that, it, to me, anything that you do, it, it could be yoga, it could be painting, it could be cooking, it could be running. If you can, if one can just redirect their mind is what I like to call it. If you just redirect yeah. their mind and sort of clears one's mind. And then um, when you come back to your problem, it, it, there, there seems to be a sense of clarity. I think uh, yeah. I, I used to experience that, you know, as a, as a kid with math, especially algebra, algebra in particular, I would just be grinding on a problem and a problem. And of course I was a kid, I didn't know it at the time, but walk away from the problem and come back to it. And then when you understand, it's like, how did I miss that? It's so simple. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh God, algebra. God, that brings back my school days. Yeah, it does. They uh, definitely make sense. Yeah. You, uh, we've talked about spirituality uh, has been brought up a few times, and uh, it, I think you said something along the lines of uh, it kind of turns you off sometimes, and that's an interesting uh, comment to me because, um, especially, I, I hear people a lot say, you know, yeah, I, I used to be part of an organized religion, and and now I'm not, but I, I still am a spiritual person, and I'm I'm, I'm curious when. When, yeah. when you hear that, how does that make you feel? Well, I still say it myself, so mm -hmm. I guess it's just a pointer really to something that maybe we don't fully, 
that maybe can't be expressed fully in words. It's a bit like the word God. We kind of know what it means, but it's, I don't know. The word spiritual, I guess, can encompass so many different meanings. Um, and maybe someone else's interpretation of what spirituality is is different to mine. Um, I guess it's just one of these words that gets banded about a lot and if we're not careful we can it's easy to make spirituality into a bit of a religion you know I sometimes catch myself thinking about all oh, this my pathway is the right pathway people need to discover this pathway it will change their life but ultimately it's true spirituality is just I guess being your being yourself but it doesn't mean you have to meditate or read lots of books or do yoga necessarily for some people spirituality can go back to as you're saying running and painting because i guess the word well obviously comes spirituality the word comes from spirit so whatever how do i best explain this whatever our true spirit is that is the essence of spirituality i think the issue i have with the word is just and i do this myself it's just so easy to band it around saying i'm spiritual but not really understanding exactly what it means at times i guess <laughs> I, I agree I, I think people hear things and they say well yeah that sounds good i'll use that <laughs> it is yeah. a it is a um no no fault of uh, anybody that uses that expression i've used it too uh, more than once and and because it is a difficult sort of an abstract thing for people to to comprehend and explain what it means to them it is. yeah um god if i was to explain what spirituality meant to me well um in essence, as I, the phrase I said before, is just the journey of self-discovery because so many people are not being their true selves. You know, they go out in jobs they don't enjoy, um, going out getting pissed every weekend and just feeling unfulfilled. Um, whereas spirituality really is just pointing back to your true self, the... Set the oh, what's the word I'm wanting um, unrestricted self that you are that you are in essence this already as one of my spiritual teachers says but and we're already whole and healed on one level but we kind of most of us if not all of us have lost lost our way in life because of trauma and pain that happened to us so I think just spirituality is just um, facing all the different aspects of ourself and just I guess coming to a place where we feel happier in ourselves so for me spirituality is about meditation um, mantras and singing and that's what a lot of it can involve but as I say it can mean different things to different people so my expression of spirituality might be different to yours <laughs> it's it's a complicated thing to explain. <laughs> sure. Yes, it is indeed. You said uh, going out and getting pissed every weekend. Is that a, is that a, uh, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs>
drink lots of alcohol at the weekend just to help maybe release a lot of their tension from the working week and yeah it's a bit of a culture in the UK where people like like to drink a lot okay. um, luckily I was never and I'm quite glad about this I was never really drawn to alcohol now that doesn't mean that I'm a saint or any better than anybody else but I think because of had quite an addictive personality, so I think if I had been really drawn to alcohol in my life, there could have been some points where things could have got quite dangerous. But luckily, I've never really, never really been big on alcohol. <laughs> yeah, I, but, I just yeah, but go on. Yeah, no, I, I used in context. Uh, context, I thought pissed did mean get drunk, but uh, I just wanted to clarify. Learn something. <laughs> learn, learn a new uh, UK expression. Uh, you're yeah. learning yeah, today, so that's good. In a, in a recent YouTube blog, Andy, I read something interesting. You wrote, quote, there's a new narrative servicing in gender politics. Patriarchy affects men negatively, too, end quote. Andy, can you elaborate on what that means? I don't think that was me personally that said that, but I can. I think that was my co-author Mark that said that mm. but I can might have been me but I have said things similar so mm. I can certainly expand on it anyway so oh let me just adjust my position um right how long have we got have we got 45 minutes in total yeah uh yeah something like that but yeah. we're, we're good so uh, feel free to to carry okay. on as uh, much as you would like sweet so Right, where do I start from here? Um, hmm. I'm certain I can certainly say a lot. So, right. So, I'm guessing most listeners will know what I mean by the patriarchy, and that's, well, to me, it just means the domination of men throughout the centuries and the rigid cultural expectations of both men and women. Um, and there's been a lot said, and quite rightly, about how women have been affected by the patriarchy and oppressed and badly treated by men. And yes, certainly this is true, and this still goes on. Well, in some countries like India, for example, women don't have too many rights, and a lot of other countries, sadly. Um, so this is very well publicised. And probably most of you listening probably know about the Me Too movement, which I feel was a positive thing um, and really helped women get more of a voice. Um, what's often overlooked, and possibly partly because of the mistreatment of women by men, is that a lot of men can suffer from the effects of the patriarchy as well. And I myself have certainly been one of them. So, the biggest um, damage to men, as I intimated earlier, was is this whole culture of men or boys being emotionally suppressed by an early age. Um, and this causes a lot of damage to men and... Um, Often by the time men are grown up and in their 20s and 30s, they have a whole 
range of un- unresolved trauma and emotions, but they just don't know how to deal with them. And these cultural um, expectations of men, that men shouldn't be vulnerable, that men shouldn't cry, is, I feel personally that it, it's done a lot more damage than people think. And the true extent of the pain of men is huge, I think. And <clears throat> men today, certainly in the UK and probably in the US too, are really struggling, you know. But, um, so the ways in which the patriarchy can ultimately affect men is, for example, more men go to war, more men are homeless, um, there's less support available for men. So I feel it's important for men to have a voice too about how um, patriarchal culture has affected them. And this does not have to be mutually exclusive from women speaking out as well. You know, we both women and men have a right to speak out about how they've suffered and struggled. And one thing I really, really upsets me is when people dismiss men's issues. Um, it's easy to think that because men have um, had certain advantages like being paid more and um, more rights at work, etc., etc., and other things. It's easy to think that men maybe don't have it, have it so hard, but ultimately, healing will only happen. True healing will happen if men and women start to work together because there's still too much separate of a separation mentality between men and women. And I'm really grateful for the women in my life that acknowledge this as well and that want to help help us all heal. Um, I would, I have, um, I'm not logged into the internet at the moment, but there's a video by one of my um, co-authors, Mark, who Who's explained, who explains this as well about how the patriarchal culture has affected men. Um, and it's left a lot of men emotionally and spiritually destitute and not knowing who to turn to in when they're struggling. And I guess more than anything, this is what Michelle and myself and all the other authors of the book, we really want to... Um, make um, speak out that men have been struggling too and Michelle said in part of her forward to the book that uh, we're letting our boys down in the way we're raising them and we all know that boys are raised differently to girls in a lot of ways no girls for girls it's okay to cry but for boys it's like don't be a sissy Uh, man up stay strong and I think this whole culture has created ultimately a group, a lot of emotionally immature men and a lot that we hear often complaints from women about men um, and some of them are valid but let's just say this whole culture, stereotypical male culture doesn't help and this is why ultimately we want to see it challenged and we want things to change so this starts with challenging the culture that it's not okay for boys to cry. You know, there's still work to do, but 
things are starting to change and I'm really glad to, um, that this book has been released and I know a lot of people have read it and things are changing bit by bit you know men are opening up more about mental health issues as well so yeah we're we're making small steps there's still a bit of work to go but I'm glad to see that more men are opening up now. Andy you've mentioned Michelle Katanik yeah. Uh, a few times, and on the cover of the book, uh, there is an interesting quote from Michelle. Yeah. It says, the following narrative that boys should think, feel, and behave a certain way is denying them their humanity. Talk about Michelle Kantanik a bit, and who is she to you, and, and why was this particular quote chosen for the book cover? met Michelle in person I've had a video interview with her so I don't know her all that well but she was obviously ultimately the one that helped get all of us guys together I do actually know some of the two of the other co-authors personally which which is good but I don't know Michelle personally but she is how do I say it? she's She's very passionate. She's got two kids of her own, so she's very passionate about how our children are raised. And she talks, and I'd highly recommend if anybody wants to work with her in, in terms of raising children, I'd highly recommend Michelle, because she's very passionate about that. Um, and I'm just grateful to her, even though I've not met her yet, I'm just grateful to her to give, for giving us the opportunity, myself and the 11 other guys, to really share our stories and to give more men a voice, basically. Um, yeah, she's an amazing woman. Well, Andy, uh, this has been a very interesting conversation. I, I really appreciate you taking time to come on and, and uh, tell your story and uh, talk to us about a, a subject that I think really is an important subject. And uh, I can't thank you enough for that. I like to... Um, sort of wrap up my podcast with a, a sort of a legacy question, I like to call it. If in a hundred years, someone is listening to this recording, perhaps someone even in your extended family, what do you want them to remember about you, uh, take from this recording or anything in general? shit sorted so to speak it doesn't make you less worthy it doesn't make you less spiritual 
Um, so I'd like to be remembered as someone who was just did the best he could with the resources he had. That's all we can do, basically. Well said, sir. <laughs> Time to exhale. Andy, thank you so much for being a guest on your current. I really enjoyed that conversation. Thank you again. Thank you. It's great for the opportunity. Um, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. God, it's gone really quickly as well. It doesn't feel like we've been here for 45 odd minutes. <laughs> it has indeed. <laughs> right, nice one.